But this evening we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16 to 24. And I want to talk about a society without God. A society without God. The only thing that will be on the screen tonight will be the main points. All of your scripture is going to be on your handout. So uh, when it comes to reading the scripture, you'll be able to follow follow along on your notes. Proverbs 14 verse 34 says this, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. When a community, city, nation, or country leaves God out, when they abandon God, eventually it's going to come to ruin. Amen. When you forget God and you abandon His ways and abandon His Word and you distance yourself from Him and say, God, we don't want you, you're headed for trouble. And we see that taking place right here in our nation today. But here's the thing. It didn't start in the United States of America or in any other part of the modern day world. It started way back in Genesis chapter 4 with the line of Cain. Cain murdered his brother Abel. He left the presence of God. He started his own society, but it was a society without God. And what took place in Cain's society and culture is different than our society today. The reality is what's happening today is things that have already 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 been taking place in society. Listen to what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Look at it in the New Living Translation. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. I believe we can all agree with that. There's nothing new under the sun. What we see taking the place today has already been. In other words, we see homosexuals living their lifestyle today. We see gays and lesbians living today. But here's the thing. It's nothing new. Go back to the Bible and you see that it was already there. We may think that abortion is something new, but go back to the Bible and you'll see that they were killing babies and infants even then. They may not have been taking them from the womb like we do today, but they were killing them as soon as they were born. Why? Because they were trying to kill the Jewish people and trying to keep the Messiah from coming into the world. There's nothing new under the sun. So tonight, I want to talk about the characteristics of a society without God. Number one, we see first of all that it is a rebellious society. Look at Genesis chapter 4 verse 16. Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. We see that Cain had no regard for the Lord and he quickly went out from the Lord's presence. Cain's attitude gives us three rebellious characteristics about the society that followed him. First of all, it's a society that is running from God. He went out from the Lord's 
presence. The very context of this passage shows that Cain was rejecting God Himself and everything that God stood for. Cain was leaving, forsaking, and getting away as far as he could from the presence of God, from the community and neighborhood of the godly. He wanted to get away from his godly home and his godly lineage and his godly parents. He wanted to get away from the place and altar where God was worshipped. So Cain chose to turn and walk away from God and his godly family. He left and goes into another country in order to live like he wanted to live and do what he wanted to do. He said, I'm going to get away from God. I'm going to go do my own thing. He deliberately chose to live a secular and godly life and to go and develop a secular and ungodly society. He deliberately separated himself from God. Now think about this. God never told Cain to leave his presence. But that's what Cain decided to do. Cain chose to leave God's presence. I said this Sunday morning, God will never leave us, but we can choose to leave God. Cain made the conscious decision to run from God and never return to the place of worship. But before we're too hard on Cain, let's look at ourselves for a moment. Isaiah 53 and 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. You see, we have to be careful of the myth that people seek God. The reality is there are none of us who came into this world looking for God and seeking after Him. Romans 3.11 says there is no one who understands and there is no one who seeks God. When a man or woman begins to seek God, it's only because God has first begun to seek them. You see, but until a person, until a God seeks a person, that person is on run from God. You see, that was a time that I was running from God. That was a time you were running from God. You didn't want God. You didn't want anything to do with His people. You didn't want anything to do with His Word. You didn't want anything to do with His house. You were running from the presence of God. But God came looking for you. God came seeking you. And you made a choice. God, I'm going to turn to you. And we see in our society today, people are on the run from God. People are looking to the world trying to fill that emptiness and void in their life. Why? Because it's a society on the run from God. But we see secondly the society that we're living in just like Cain's. It's a restless society. He lived in the land of Nod. The name Nod means restless or wandering. James Boyce in his commentary wrote this and I quote, Cain remained a wanderer at heart even when he attempted to settle down. Having rejected God, he had severed his roots and was condemned to restlessness. End of quote. When Cain ran from God, he found himself in a restless place. He believed that running away from God would ease the curse on him, but he soon learned that he was restless no matter where he was. Think about that. He goes and he tries to settle down in a city in a place called Nod, but he's still restless. And here's the thing, nothing has still changed. There are still those who run from God and they try to fill the void and the emptiness in their life with the things of this world, but at the end of the day, they're still restless because they have wandered from God. Listen, no person or society will have peace until it turns 
to God. The person who lives for this world and what this world offers will never have peace or fulfillment. This world may give us some comfort. It may give us some kind of pleasure. It may give us temporary security. But at the end of this day, the things of this world are permanent. They will not last. The things of this world will not give us lasting hope. The things of this world can never satisfy the soul of man. The soul was made for God. Therefore, the soul can never rest until it rests in God. So, the society we're living in, it's running from God. It's restless without God. But thirdly, the society in Genesis 4 was seen to be rootless. Notice the land of Nod was east of Eden. This statement is significant because it shows how Cain and the society he established moved consistently further from God. In Genesis chapter 11, where we get the Tower of Babel, we see a society moving further east, further away from God. In Genesis 13, Lot and Abraham, they've got too many flocks, too many cattle, and they separate. Abraham gives Lot first choice of where he would like to go, and we read this in Genesis 13, 11. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east, and the two men parted company. Once more you see man moving even further from God. And Lot journeys east and he settles down in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what does the Bible tell us about Lot? He vexed his righteous soul daily because he journeyed further and further away from God. It seems that in Scripture that the further east man traveled, the further he got away from God. The point I want to make is simply this. Cain no longer had roots in Eden and in his relationship with God. He simply traveled further and further from God and his descendants followed suit. When a person departs from God, they depart from the root of a purposeful and fulfilling life. Hear me. When you move away from God, you move away from your purpose for living. When you move away from God, you move away from your reason for existence. We were created to be in relationship with God. We were created to be uh, in fellowship with Him and to honor Him and walk with Him and to do what God has called us to do. And when you move away from God, you become rebellious and you end up doing your own thing. You live for yourself instead of living for God. And we see that in Cain's life. Look at Genesis 4.17. Cain made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Now notice this. Cain was then building a city and he named it after his son Enoch. We see Cain had a wife. This is up for debate. Many people won't know who was Cain's wife. Well, most likely it was his sister or half-sister or some other distant relative. Now, we know today that you don't go out and marry your sister, half-sister or cousin or anything of that nature because there's genetic problems that take place. But at this time, there were... No problems that would be associated with that. The gene pool wasn't polluted yet. But now we know we don't do that. So he had a way, he had a son through this wife, named him Enoch. The name means beginner, dedicated, or initiated. Apparently Cain was hoping that his son would give him a new beginning, a new start in life. But here's the thing, he was hoping for a new start and a new beginning without God. Let me just say this. There are a lot of parents today hoping that their kids can give them a new beginning in life. Have you ever seen parents trying to live out their dreams through their kids? 
that the parents couldn't make it in sports, so they try to push their kids to make it in sports, hoping that they can live out their hopes and dreams through their kids. Well, we kind of see that in game. Hey, Enoch, you're going to give me my new start. So Cain, he becomes a contractor and he builds a city. This wasn't a city like the modern cities of today. We know today you go to New York and places like Chicago and you've got big towering skyscrapers. Most likely this was just a few houses enclosed within a wall. But apparently as months and years pass, you have other families that forsake God. They join Cain and his family in the land of Nod. But I want you to notice this. It says, Cain built a city. And the fact that Cain named it after his son reveals Cain's attitude. It's still all about Cain. He's still proud. He's still arrogant. And he's saying, I'm still going to do it my way. And I'm still going to do it without God. He's out to glorify his name and the works of his family. He says, I've done away with God. I'm going to put my son's name on the city so that my name, my reputation can live on. And we see that in our society today, won't we? In fact, let me just say this. I found this interesting in my study. That man's destined to live in a city. God's destined us to live in a city. But it's not a city made by human hands. It's a city made by God. The Bible tells us that Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. But Cain said, I'm going to build a city with my own hand. But here's the thing, Cain's city was going to be destroyed. Cain's city wasn't going to last. You see, what Cain was saying is, I'm going to have it, I'm going to have it my way, and I'm going to have it now. But here's the thing, God is one is building a city. And He's prepared it for us. And when the time is right, and when the time is ready, He's coming back so that we can one day go to that city and live with Him forever. Because we've been destined to live in a city, but it's not a city of our doing. It's a city that's been prepared for us. Amen? Because it, we're destined to live in a city. I thought that was interesting as I studied But Cain, he's living only for the honor of this world and not for the honor of God. Doesn't that sound like our world today? They want it their way. Isn't that Burger King's motto, have it your way? It's all about us, not about God. That's the culture we live in. It's a rebellious culture that, hey, I can have it my way and I can have it now. You see, we live in a world where everybody wants to make a name for themselves and they want to leave their mark on society. And so we name things after ourselves. But just like Cain's city and his world would be destroyed in the coming flood of Genesis 6, anything that isn't done for God will not last. Amen? Only what has God's name on it and God's approval is going to last. Amen? Let me say it again. If it doesn't have God's approval and God's name on it, it's not going to last. 
We can chase our dreams and we can chase our goals, but if it's not something that God has implanted within us, and if it's not done for His glory and His honor, it's not going to last. Jesus prayed in the garden, Not my will, but thy will be done. That should be a prayer that we pray often and pray regular God. Not my will, not my kingdom, but your kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because you see, if we aren't careful, we'll become just as rebellious as the culture around us. And we'll want to have it our way instead of God's way. May we not be rebellious like those around us. But may we surrender and say, God, I want Your will above my will. But I want us to see a second thing about a society without God. Number two, it was a religious society. You see, an amazing thing can be seen in the naming of the children in Cain's line. Look at verse 18. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujel. Mahujel was the father of Methushel, and Methushel was the father of Lamech. Notice that two of the names in this verse end with El. El is the Hebrew word for God. God's name in Genesis chapter 1 was Elohim. The name of God. Mahujel means smitten of God. And Methusiel means the man who is of God. What we have here is a godless society still naming their children after God. This is a society that has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. You see, a society that has rejected the one true God doesn't necessarily stop talking about God. Think about that. I would imagine that Cain probably set up his own church. He probably had an altar somewhere where he and his descendants could still worship their own God. He probably had his own set of doctrine established so that they could still have church somewhere. And here's the thing. Nothing's changed in our world today. We're living in a day where people are more religious than ever. In our day, people have all kinds of beliefs. People serve all kinds of gods. In fact, in our society, we have those that believe you can be homosexual and still be Christian. We have those that believe in universalism, which means everyone's going to heaven. Regardless of what you believe or whether or not you put your faith in Jesus, that hey, all roads lead to heaven, all faiths lead to heaven, all practices lead to heaven. Hey, we're all going to be good. That's the day in which we live. Now more than ever, this is a religious society. Here in the United States of America, we may no longer be considered by many one nation under God, but we are still a religious nation. They may not call on Jehovah. It might be Buddha or Muhammad or some other God. But we are very much religious. Amen? We may not worship the one true God, but people are worshiping some kind of God. It may be humanism or materialism. It may be themselves. But people are religious. They're worshiping something. A society without God is still a religious society. They may not call on Jesus. In fact, we're living in a day where we don't talk about Jesus anymore. But they're still serving 
a God. They're still serving an idol. They're still worshiping something. It's still a religious society. But thirdly, a society without God is a reprobate society. A reprobate society. Despite their desire to Christianize their line, the family of Cain continued down the path of rebellion. Look at verse 19. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. This is the first recorded instance of polygamy or bigamy in human history. It says that he married two women. If you go to Romans chapter 1, we see how God gave ungodly society over to a reprobate mind. Look at Romans 1 verse 18 to 28. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Let me just say this. People can not stand before God on the day of judgment and say, I didn't know. People are going to know that God exists. They're going to see creation. They're going to see all that God has done. And they're going to know that there is a God. He will make Himself known to people. Look at verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased or reprobate mind to do those things which are not fitting. Three times we read God doing this. In verse 24 it says, God gave them up to uncleanness. In verse 26 it says, God gave them up to vile passion. In verse 28 it says, God gave them over to a debased or a reprobate mind. And it's clear from the context that a reprobate mind is one that can't form right judgment. A reprobate mind is a mind that is void of judgment. That they don't have sound a mind. They don't sound judgment. They can't make good decision and God gave them over to that and so here's the result of a reprobate mind according to Paul look at verse 29 to 32 it says they being filled with all unrighteousness sexual immorality wickedness covetousness maliciousness maliciousness full of envy murder strife deceit evil mindedness they are whisperers backbiters haters of God, violent, proud, boasters. Notice this, inventors of evil things. They're coming up with new ways to do evil. Does that sound like how we're living today? People coming up with new ways to do evil stuff. Disobedient to parents. We see that today, don't we? 
undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Notice this. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's the result of having a reprobate mind. They, they, they have a reprobate mind. They can't make good judgment. They can't make right decisions. And it leads them to sexual immorality and wickedness and all of these other sins. And that's the case with Lamech in Genesis 4. In taking two wives, he made an unrighteous decision. Now, it's clear from Genesis 2, verse 15 to 25, and also in, in, in other places in Scripture, that God's intention for mankind from the very beginning was to have one spouse, one wife, or one husband. That's God's design for marriage. I preached an entire sermon on that. God's design for marriage. Monogamy was God's will from the beginning, and I am sure that Lamech knew what God's plan and God's intent for marriage was, but he made the sinful choice that, hey, I'm going to take two wives because I want it my way, and it didn't matter what God said. I'm going to do it my way because it's a rebellious society. A society. But I want you to notice the names of his two wives and what they mean. Adam means adorned, attractive, beauty, or pleasure. Zillah means shade or shadow, probably referring to the beautiful color and shadow of her hair or skin. Apparently, Lamech and his wife were consumed with the flesh. They gave themselves completely over to the cult of beauty and immorality. Apparently, they couldn't control their passion and they didn't deny their immoral urges. Why else would anybody want two wives? Why else would two women want to be married with one man? Apparently they were consumed with their flesh and their lust. Well, here's the thing. The cult that worships beauty and sex has been in the world since the dawn of human history. But you look around today and it's everywhere. It's on TV. It's in the magazines. It's in the newspapers. Right down the road and you sit plastered on the billboards. Everywhere you look, beauty and sex are being thrown at you. you. You just flip through the TV and you see the, the TV ads and the commercials and it's being thrown in your face everywhere you look. In fact, beauty and sex are so worshipped and idolized that they've become the dominant theme of advertisements throughout the industrialized world. Beauty and sex are so used that they use it to sell everything from soap to cars today. It's used to sell everything. So we, we, we see it's a rebellious society. It's a reprobate society. But here's the fourth thing. And you might think this thing's out of place, but it's a resourceful society. Even though it's a society without God, they were very resourceful. Now this in itself, it's kind of neutral. But in the case of Cain's family, resourcefulness was also accompanied by moral degradation. Look at verse 20 to 22. Ada gave birth to Jabel. He was the father of those who lived in tents and raised livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who played strength instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Naaman. Ada's son, Jabel, notice he was the founder of nomadic herding. He was the one who lived in tents and raised cattle. Now, 
I, I, I didn't put any more of my notes here, but I, I can tell you there's a problem with this. He raised cattle. And he might say, what's the problem with raising cattle? Well, here's the thing. The ground had been cursed because of Cain. In fact, it had been cursed because of Adam. And God said, by the sweat of your brown, you're going to make a living. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, God told Adam and Eve that you're going to eat the plant and the fruit of the ground. God had not told them to eat meat yet. And because it had become so hard to work and get a harvest, it's quite possible they think, well, it's so hard to get a crop, I'll just raise livestock. And it's much easier just to butcher a cow and eat meat than it is to produce a harvest. Because it's not until Genesis 9 after the flood that God says, now you can begin to slay the beast and eat meat. Interesting. Still trying to do it their own way. Being resourceful, but still doing it their way rather than God's way. His brother Jubal oversaw the founding of musical instruments. You might say, well, hey, that, that, that's a talent, that's a gift. Well, here's the thing. Music's a great thing if it's used for God, isn't it? But it can also be used for evil, can it not? You look at a lot of people that have become wealthy and rich and famous. Where did they get their start? In church. You think about the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. Where did he start? In church. But where did he end up? And how did his life end? Imagine how he stayed in church and followed God what he could have accomplished. You see, these things in and of themselves are not necessarily wrong. It just comes down to what you do with them. The half-brother, Tubal Cain, he's a forger of tools. Hey, aren't you glad we have tools today? But there's also, most commentators said, that he was probably also the one who established weaponry. Because we're going to read about Laman who killed a man. And most likely did it with a weapon that Tubal Cain made. Again, it comes down what you do with it. You see, a weapon, it, it can be used defensively to protect your family, to protect your home if someone's trying to do harm. But it can also be used just to go out and wreak havoc on the world. Again, nothing inherently wrong with any of these trades. They can be used for good, but they can also be used for evil. But notice something about the sister of Tubal Cain. Her name was Nama. The name Nama means lovely one. And it seems that the narrative won't allow us to forget something. It won't allow us to forget something about external beauty. It seems that as the culture advanced in agriculture and industry and entertainment, everything still revolved around something sensual. 
It evolved around concentrating more on pleasing man than on glorifying God. It revolved around doing it their way rather than for God. That's what happens when you have a society without God. It's all about us. Here's what Matthew Henry said in his commentary. He says, See here that worldly things are the only things that carnal wicked people set their hearts upon and are most ingenious and industrious about. So it was with this impious race of first came. Here were a father of shepherds and a father of musicians, but not a father of the faithful. Here was one to teach in brass and iron, but none to teach the good knowledge of the Lord. Here were devices how to be rich and how to be mine and how to be merry, but nothing of God nor of His fear and service among them. In the flood. Wow. History shows us that even non-Christians have come up with great developments in society. Listen, God gives talents to even people who are ungodly. Many pagans have offered great inventions which are useful to modern man. And it's by God's common grace that even natural man is resourceful. This resourcefulness is God-given, but when turned to selfish use, it becomes wrong. One final thing, number five, we see about a society without God. It's a revengeful society. Look at 23 and 24. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Lamech killed this young man because the young man wounded him. We don't know how this young man wounded Lamech, but somehow he did. The phrase young man is significant because it refers literally to a boy or a child. Think about it. A young boy, a young child. Somehow he hurt Lamech, and Lamech was vengeful and got back at him. Lamech's basically saying, I've killed a man for wounding me, wounding me. In fact, a boy because he hurt me. And the implication is he's boasting and he's saying, hey, aren't I something? Lamech was proud of his wicked deed. In fact, he felt justified in doing what he did. I want you to notice how boastful and self-reliant he had become. He remembered that God promised to avenge Cain seven times against anyone who harmed Cain. So Lamech, he cries out, if God could do that, then he, Lamech, could avenge himself 77 times. Lamech, he had reached the highest crescendo of self-glory and self-sufficiency. He was declaring himself to be stronger and more powerful than God. Here's what James Boyce commentary says here. He is saying that he's better able to take care of himself by murdering others than God was able to take care of Cain in the quote. That's how boastful he was. That's how proud he was. Lamech is boasting, if you touch me, I'll kill you myself. That's what he's saying. He's saying that he didn't need God to take care of him or protect him, but that he could take care of himself. As I've already mentioned, he probably had a weapon that Tubal Cain had made. And he's saying, hey, if you, if you come at me, I'll destroy you myself. I don't need God to defend me. He's saying, I'll be my own judge, jury, and executioner. Cain may have God, but I've got myself. I've got my own back. You touch me, I'll slay you. 
very vengeful, very proud. But here's the thing, that pride, that arrogance all started with shame. A society without God is revengeful. We see it today. You, 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 you've got blacks upset with whites and it's all about racism and prejudices and you've got, you got this group upset with the police and, and, and back and forth. It, we're living in a vengeful society. Why? Because people have left God out of it. You see, a society that lives apart from God seeks to get even with those that have wronged them. Isn't that how we want to live? If you leave God, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. If you're wrong, I'm going to wrong you. If you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. I'm going to get even. That's how we live if you leave God out. A society without God is a malicious, malevolent, murderous mess because it's completely man-centered. But here's the thing. As believers, we know that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Here's what Paul said in Romans 12, 17, 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We should be peaceful people. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. That's not how we want to act naturally, is it? Most people want to just strike back. The Bible tells us that somebody strikes you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. In closing, after reading through this text, you, you almost feel sick to your stomach. You look at the society of man, you look at the world in which we live, and you see that it's a terrible thing. But here's the thing, God's not finished yet. We read in Genesis 4, 25 and 26, that Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name See, during the terrible mess, God sends another seed, a miracle of grace. And so you've got the seed of Cain, you've got the ungodly line of Cain, but all of a sudden you've got the godly line of Seth. See, our world, it's in a mess today. Just look at the newspaper, turn on the TV, and you'll see that it's true. But when things appear to be hopeless, just remember that God still performs miracles through the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ. God's not finished. Jesus is coming back. And one day, everything that's wrong is going to be made right. Because God's still... Amen? We get to Genesis 6 and there's going to be a flood. And God's going to put a rainbow in the sky so that we know that He'll never destroy it again by a flood. 
But there is coming a day that this world will be destroyed. But there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. God's going to fix it. There's still a godly line of people. Listen, there's always a remnant. Amen? God's still in control. God's still watching over everything. He's still in charge. And it might look like Satan's winning. It might look like Satan has the upper hand. I promise you, God's still on the throne. God's still moving. God's still working. And God's still pouring out His grace. We just have to keep our eyes on heaven. Keep our eyes on Him. God is going to move. And here's the thing. Even though this might seem like a godless society in which we're living, God can still move in this society. God can still move in our homes and still move in our families if we will open up ourselves and say, God, I want to be a vessel that You can work with. I want you to stand with me.